Good evening, friends. My name is Rob. I'm the pastor here at Capitol Press Fairfax. And this Christmas Eve is going to go down as one of my favorites. All right? Here's why. Because not once, not twice, but three times I have been able to gather with my church family. All right? So we had, we had standing room only over at the Mantua Clubhouse this morning. Um, and then just a couple hours ago, we had what I would probably uh, describe best as a wild rumpus of a uh, family service where really every couple minutes we are having to protect this Advent candle stand. We had blankets down here, which seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, but kids were all over the show. And then I get to end uh, this Christmas Eve with you looking at Christ. We're going to look at our fourth reading. So if you want to look at page five of your worship guide, that's going to be where we're going to be camping out tonight. And uh, our theme for this evening, if you want a theme, if that's helpful for you, our theme tonight is a confrontational Christmas Eve. That's right. Uh, a confrontational Christmas Eve. And you might be thinking to yourself, uh, Pastor, uh, I was hoping this was going to be the one part of Christmas Eve that's not going to be confrontational, right? Or you might be thinking, the whole reason I'm here is to avoid some confrontation. Like, hey, um, Pastor Rob, can we not just like press pause on uh, confrontation until December 26th, and then we'll just pick it up then? Thanks for asking, but no. Um, because as we look at the narrative of this Christmas story, as we look at the, the story of Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, um, we just see that there's a lot of confrontation going on. Um, so I'm going to start by praying. I'm going to pray that I uh, haven't already lost you, <laughs> and I'm going to pray that God would speak to us through his word. So pray with me. Mighty and merciful Father, we come to you. We pray that in the darkness of this evening, uh, you would help us to see the light of your Son. We ask um, in your power that you would confront us in a way that helps us to truly see and hear your word. We pray in your mercy, you would comfort us like only you can. By your Spirit, speak to us, for we remember that the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word, it lasts forever. Amen. So why are we talking about confrontation? Because we see here in Matthew, as he's recording the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, this narrative confronts our plans, it confronts our problem, and it confronts our expectations. It confronts our plans, our problem, and our expectations. Let me just read part of this as it starts out uh, there in Matthew. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. See Joseph's plan there? Like, let's just be honest, right? Joseph was hit with some pretty confusing circumstances. He's betrothed. We don't use that word anymore, but this is an engagement. This is a very strong engagement. It's a commitment. Their plan is to get married, and all of a sudden, he's realizing, he's receiving news that before they came together, his wife is pregnant. And so what's his reflex? What's his decision? He makes a plan. Let me make a plan. Um, 
He thinks he's being uh, a good guy. He's trying to take the high road. He's trying to be righteous. He plans to divorce her. He, he wants to do it quietly. He doesn't want to, to put her to shame immediately. Shame is coming, right? When, when, when she starts showing, shame is on the way, but his plan, at least his thought is, hey, I'm going to take the high road here. I'm going to take the righteous road. I'm going to make my plan. And then all of a sudden he has a dream, right? All of a sudden he's confronted in a dream by an angel that says to him, um, hey, Joseph, about your plan, you're actually not taking the high road. You're actually not doing the right thing. You're actually being a coward. Because what does the angel show up and say? What are his words? If you look there, the angel shows up and says what? Do not fear. Don't be afraid. How about this, Joseph? How about don't let your reflex try to be trying to make a plan and take care of things on your own? No, just stop and don't be afraid. Um, Washington, D.C. friends, Northern Virginia friends, I've lived in um, a, a number of places in the States. I've lived in a number of places throughout the world. Rarely have I found a group of people that trust so much in their ability to plan, that endow their plans with so much weight. And don't get me wrong, the Bible speaks about planning and actually calls us to plan, but it's how we hold those plans. What place do we give those plans? See, our challenge is often we put our plan in first place. Often we put our plans on the top. And we're funny creatures, aren't we? Right? We're funny creatures in that um, there's so much that we don't control, and yet we still think we should trust in our plans. Right? We're funny creatures in that there's so much evidence that even uh, our ability to plan is not all that great. For instance, right? we're setting up for the morning service this morning over at Mantua. Some of you know this. I'm like, hey, Chels, let's put out like 50 chairs. And she's like, Rob. It's not a good plan, all right? And I'm like, no, it's fine, you know, it'll be, be all right, okay? And then like 113 of our friends show up. It wasn't a good plan. And that's silly. Um, but the reality is we know that sometimes we get plans in our heads, in our hearts, and we're so committed to those plans that we will not let go of them for anything even if it means hurting other people, right? Sometimes we're so committed to our plans, we hold on to them, not stopping to listen to God, not stopping to think of fear might be driving us. And I just want to say, um, sometimes the church is very guilty of this too, right? Sometimes the church has its own plan that's not God's plan, and sometimes the church ends up hurting people too. You might be in here tonight, and you've been hurt by the church because the church was holding on to its plan and not God's plan. I know that I've held on to plans, and I've hurt people in my life. The story of the birth of Christ, the story of Matthew 1, confronts our plans. It also confronts our problem. There's a couple names we hear here in this story. As, as Matthew's going through, uh, Joseph's uh, made his plan. He's had his plan confronted. And the angel actually says, nope, you're going to have a son and you're going to call him Jesus. Why? Because he will be the savior 
of his people. He told Mary, told him, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Our plans are confronted and our problem is confronted. Um, I don't know what you think the biggest problem in your life is tonight here on Christmas Eve. You might think the biggest problem in your life is someone else. Or you might think the biggest problem in your life is just catching a break, just trying to get your circumstances to go right. But this story confronts us and says, actually, no, our biggest problem is sin. Um, while all the kids were running back and forth here, I just tried to help them explain, uh, help explain to them what sin is in a way that four-year-olds and five-year-olds could understand it. And I said, sin is the reality that we don't love God like we should, and we don't love others like we should. I'll give you another definition of sin tonight. Uh, we saw it in our first reading in Genesis. Here is sin. We've heard God's plan and we've decided to go with our own plan, right? Like that's, that's a tale as old as time. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden is they heard God's plan. Their, their perfect creator, the one who um, has committed to dwell with them and be with them in the garden, give them all they need. They heard his plan and yet they doubted his goodness and they went with their own plan. That's our problem. That's your problem. That's my main problem. Time and time again, I decide to go with my plan. Again, we're DC people, so sometimes we're tempted to think like, well, my main problem is I just don't have enough education. You know what Jesus doesn't mean? Jesus doesn't mean that God has sent his people a teacher. He is a teacher, but here Jesus means Savior. Jesus doesn't mean model. It means Savior. All right? We don't just need information. Let me ask you this. I'll do um, silly and then serious. When I was in high school, I had an incredibly lead foot, all right? I am not going to tell you how many times I got pulled over. It was a lot. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, I got asked when I got pulled over. What do they always ask? Do you know why? I, well, do you know how fast you're going or do you know how, or do you know why I pulled you over, right? Every time I got pulled over, you know what my problem wasn't? information. All right. Like I knew how fast I was going. I knew what the speed limit was. I just wanted to get where I wanted to get fast. It wasn't an information problem. Um, when we hurt the people that we hurt, when we find ourselves in brokenness, it's really because we um, didn't know that was wrong. It's not an information problem. It's not a model problem. It's, like, it's not like we've never seen someone show love or show kindness or show mercy or show forgiveness. No, we've known and we've seen, and yet we still hurt. We've still caused pain. We've still lied. We've still hidden. We don't just need a teacher. We don't just need a model. We need Jesus, a Savior. Our plans are confronted. Our problem is confronted. Finally, our expectations are confronted. There's all kinds of things about this Christmas story that confront our expectations, right? Just the fact that Emmanuel, God would come to us uh, as a baby, right? If you think of all the ways God would come to you, you might think warrior, you might think king, but rarely, I mean, I would have, 
If there's a scene I can see throughout redemptive history, it would be this one when like God's telling the plan to the angels, hey, we're, it, it's go time. I am going to send my son. And they hear, you know, Archangel Michael, he hears God say, I'm going to send him as a baby. You know, the angels might be tempted to say, with all due respect, is that really the best plan? Is that really what we're going to go with? Our expectations are confronted in the incarnation. God doesn't work the way we think he's going to work. He comes as a child. And he doesn't come to where we think he's going to come. He doesn't come to a mansion or a palace. He doesn't come to the wealthy suburbs of Jerusalem. He comes to a manger. Our expectations are confronted. He doesn't come to an audience of political leaders or religious leaders. He comes to shepherds. Shepherds in the day, not trusted. Outsiders, outcast, unclean. And not just unclean because they were outside all the time and didn't shower, but unclean, but because they were outside, they couldn't keep the religious rules. Shepherds were the welcoming committee for God with us. Our expectations are confronted. And here's the main way they're confronted. Our God sees our problem sees our brokenness, and still comes to us. He doesn't turn away. He doesn't run away. He doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. Emmanuel, God with us. I say that our expectations are confronted because everything else in our world causes us to expect the opposite. Uh, Students, in your classes, you, uh, you get what you earn. Adults, in your jobs, you get what you earn. Often when we relate to others, we give them what we think they deserve. But the gospel, Emmanuel, God with us, is that we have earned his wrath, his judgment. And yet he comes in grace. You want to talk about plans. Jesus would grow up. And he would go to the cross. And right before he goes to the cross... He's tempted to make it about his plan too, right? He said, Jesus, uh, he says, Father, if there's another plan, I would love for that to be the plan. But for all the times we trusted in our plan, he lays down his plan and goes with the Father's plan and takes on our guilt. The innocent one takes on our guilt so that we could be with the Father. Tonight, I want to invite you, um, I want to ask you, where are you at with your plans? How are your plans going for your school year? How are your plans going for your career? How are your plans going for your marriage? Where might fear be creeping in? How are the plans going for your life? Tonight, do you just need to stop? Do you need to have the courage to say, God, I'm going to stop trying to plan and fix. I need a Savior. I don't just need more information. I just don't need a model. I need a savior. The Christmas story, the incarnation, assures you that you can have one tonight. Come and trust in this child that was born to us. Pray with me. Father, we confess that we are um, a people who are often tempted to trust in our plans.
like Joseph, to be confronted with things that we don't understand or we don't get or are confusing or that scare us. And so we trust in ourselves instead of trusting in you. Some of us have known you and have been in a relationship with you in a long, for a long time, and yet we're still tempted to do that tonight. Speak to us in a fresh way. Expose our hearts and our minds in a way that helps us see where fear is leading us so that we might find hope and peace, knowing that you are a great planner and a great God, and you have a great plan for our lives. Though it might not look like it now, we can trust in you. And Father, some of my friends here tonight might have never trusted in you, might not know you. Tonight, might they, may they set down their plans for the first time and confess their need of a Savior. Jesus, a rescuer, Emmanuel, God with us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.